Welcome to another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yalbron, lead pastor of One Community Church located in El Dorado, Arkansas. For information about the ministry of Pastor Jason or One Community Church, please visit our website at occeldorado.com. Or you can find us on Facebook by searching One Community Church El Dorado. All right, so go in your Bibles to John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 14. John chapter 6 and Mark chapter 14. That'll work because we'll have other scriptures you're welcome to turn to, but I'll give you two. Maybe you can remember those two. John chapter 6, Mark 14. Everybody say that, repeat that. John. John 6 and what? Mark 14. Okay. We're going to close out this series called The Big 12. Have y'all enjoyed it? Yes. All right. Well, we're going to close this out. And what I'd like to do in the fall, perhaps, my boss is the Holy Spirit, so he'll have to tell me for sure on this. Give me the green light. But if he continues to lead me this way, I would love to follow these apostles into the book of Acts. Wouldn't that be cool? Like, I'm just getting excited about it. So I think that'd be really good. So we may do that. Um, in the month of September, so looking forward to that. Today is the last day, and we're going to end with the Apostle Judas. And today will be a little heavy and a little sombering, okay? Now, I say that, and I don't know what the Lord does. Sometimes he'll do something else, but... We need to be teaching on stuff like this. And sometimes we just need some heavy stuff. And it's okay. We're okay. We can handle it. But sometimes we just need to get real. And, and here's the thing. Don't, you know, don't get offended by everything. Because you have to let us teach and preach the Word of God. Amen? So we're going to do that. We're going to talk about Judas, and how many of you know he, he, he was a betrayer, and he betrayed Jesus. So let me say this as, as an intro. As we approach the coming of the Lord, we're going to see what I'm going to call an increase in the war of ideologies. Okay. So as we get closer to Jesus' return, this is what's going to happen. It's called what I'm calling a war of ideologies, and you'll see this. And the stage for this war is the Internet. It's online. And what's happening online is, and it's already happening, and COVID accelerated this. Because what happened during COVID? In COVID, we were stuck in our homes, and the only thing we could do is get on the Internet. Okay, that was a ploy by the enemy. All of this is set up and designed by by the enemy. This is a push, and it was to get you online. Now I know people who couldn't even spell online that now is online all the time because of COVID. Even even past generations who who know nothing about technology now can work technology because of COVID. Okay, And so what's happening is now people are online and there's a war going on for the hearts. Or it ultimately is about the heart, but it's to get the minds of men, women, boys, and girls. Okay, People say, are you scared of nuclear warfare? I, I'm not scared of nuclear warfare. I'm not scared of nuclear bombs. That's not to me where this war is going to be. I think we should be more concerned, not worried, not fearful, but we should be more concerned about what's going on online than we should anywhere else. Because there is a battle right now for the minds of of men, women, boys, and girls, and it's right here. And I love the fact we're online right now. I love being online. It's it's an avenue. It's a platform to share the gospel But I also want you to know, and I may talk about this when we go into the book of Acts, but right now there's such a hodgepodge online. You can literally go online and watch all kinds of church services. You can watch all kinds of stuff. The problem is it's become such a hodgepodge, it's so mixed together, that now we've thrown doctrine out because we're so inundated with all of these different doctrines. I want to tell you something. Doctrine still matters. 
Now, I love our brothers and sisters, and I'm not trying to cause division, and I love us all being in unity, but I want to tell you there's some things they believe we don't believe. And so when you inundate yourself with all of these different ideologies, uh, the enemy can use that, or doctrines even, even good stuff with doctrines. You know, I love our fellow believers and churches all across our county, but not all of them believe like we believe. Now, we may have some core things that we believe on, but I want to tell you, there's some things, even a sentence can change the whole trajectory. Okay? Our young people, that's a big concern for me. Our young people. If, if you know, that's why I love to keep everything in-house. Because I want to be the ones that is, is teaching them doctrine, not some other church. Because they may be doing a great job, but I want to make sure that they're understanding where we're coming from and what we believe. Does that make sense? Okay. So there is this war of ideology, and it's, it's for um, the hearts and minds of people. Let me say this, too. It's an antichrist system. There's an antichrist system out here. Okay. So in just a little bit, we're going to take of communion, and uh, it'll be a holy moment. And by the way, if you're watching online, if you want to participate, grab uh, some juice and, and some crackers perhaps, and you can join us. But I want to say this to everybody online right here in this room. I want to say to you that this is fixing to be a holy moment. What we're going to do in just a few moments is going to be a holy moment. And if it's not a holy moment... If this is not a holy moment for you, then I'm going to ask you not to participate because this doesn't have good outcomes for the insincere. Are y'all with me? I'm going to talk more about that in a moment. Can I also tell you that Jesus, when we do this in a moment, when we partake of the blood and we partake of the bread, which represents the body, I want you to know Jesus is not on a cross anymore. Jesus is alive, and he's well, and he's being glorified. Come on, church. He is not dead. He is risen. Can I hear an amen? amen. I said he is risen. And you know what he's doing in heaven? He, he, he's not on sabbatical. He is governing the affairs of mankind, and God sees what's going on. He is not oblivious. He knows exactly where we are in time. He knows exactly what's going on. Amen. So let's jump into Judas. I want to talk about Judas for just a moment, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you, there's not a lot there, okay? And I think that's by design. And I don't think there should be a lot there about this guy. He's a traitor. He's a traitor. We shouldn't know a lot about him. And it's crazy. Like, if you study this, you'll find way more on these other guys than this guy. Like, you'll find very little on this guy. And that's by design. We shouldn't know a lot about him. He was a traitor. There's not a lot known about his early history. We don't have a lot of information about him or his origin. Iscariot is, is believed to be a village uh, around where he was raised. Um, it is south of Jerusalem. His dad was Simon. A lot of people in that day with the name Simon. Nothing really stands out with Simon. So we really just don't have a lot. So let's move on, okay? John chapter 6, verses 70 and 71. I'm going to go ahead and read this. Jesus answered them, Did I not choose you, the twelve, and one of you is a devil? <laughs> hmm. He spoke of Judas Iscariot, the son of Simon, for it was he who would betray him, being one of the twelve. Everybody say, betray. Now, if you read this, and I read this, I read all the Gospels, and I read all about Judas bunches of times. And if you read this, Jesus never reveals his identity to the twelve until the very end. Okay? I think Jesus was doing several things. Jesus actually covered for Judas a lot, and he never exposed him. I think Jesus is saying something here that we all need to understand. Jesus is introducing something here that is really deep. Jesus said, did I not choose all 12 of you and one of you is a devil? Now, if we took this out of context, and we could, and I'm not, but I mean, I'm going to go down this rabbit trail for a moment because I believe God wants to say something. But 
if we went down a rabbit trail and we were talking about choices, it would seem that Jesus didn't make a good choice here. Y'all agree with that? Even though Jesus, it was Jesus and he had all of these abilities that we don't have, it would kind of make you think that Jesus didn't use his foreknowledge. But I actually believe he did. But we could use this out of context and say Jesus didn't use his foreknowledge. Why, if he used his foreknowledge, why would he choose someone that was a betraying devil? If he used his foreknowledge, he would have known this guy is going to betray me. This brings up something really deep because Scripture says, do we have these verses, Romans 8, 29, and 30? Do we have that? For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And we have the next verse, verse 30. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. So what is the difference? I just want to touch on this a minute. I'm going to get in and I'm going to get out. But what is the difference between foreknowledge and predestination? Okay, so let's talk about that. Foreknowledge doesn't control the outcome, but it lets you know what is coming. Does that make sense? In contrast, predestination controls that outcome. So as it relates to salvation, God has given has had, or God has the ability to look ahead in your life and he can choose to or see if you choose to, to choose his son or not. But he doesn't control that. It's a free choice. Okay, so it's a free choice for everybody. Now that's important because you remember a moment ago, I said doctrine matters and some of these other churches have different doctrines and why this matters is there are churches right here in our county that they believe we are predestined to be saved. They believe that there are groups of people who are going to be saved and they're not going to be saved and they don't necessarily believe that everybody can be saved. I want you to know at One Community Church, we believe it's free choice and that everybody can be saved. Because that's the Bible. Amen? So watch this. When he sees that you choose his son, then he steps back and he predestines. And watch this, watch this word. He predestines moments in your life. When he sees that you're going to choose him, then he predestines moments. Tailor-made moments for you. Another way to say that is God puts an assignment on your life before you're ever conceived. That's why abortion is such a big deal. Okay, because before you are ever born, God predestines you for an assignment. There is an assignment on your life. There is a destiny. That's where we get the word predestination. There is a, a destiny on your life for certain moments. God has predestined for your assignment. There are people that you will reach that nobody else can reach. And that God puts you here for a specific reason and a specific purpose. My Lord, I feel him. Oh, my stars, I feel the Lord. So he predestines your life for certain assignments, for certain moments. And when the enemy sees that, he puts something on your life to take you out before you ever fulfill your calling and your destiny. So that's why it's important. That's why it's important to know that there is an enemy. The Bible says that our enemy is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Why is the enemy seeking you? Because he's after that predestined assignment that's on your life. He is after the call of God that's on your life. And so he's looking to see how he can stop the call of God on your life. When I was born... See, there was a calling on my life. And when I was born, I was born premature. My lungs were not developed. My mom shaking her head, yes, because she lived every moment of this. And her and my dad stood in faith believing. And they said that I will live and not die because the doctor said I may die because my lungs were not developed and I was not breathing like I was supposed to. I believe that right at birth, the enemy was trying to steal the assignment on my life. And I want you to know, that's what he does. He's coming after the assignment, the moments that God has prepared for you, that only you, that God designed you for. Jason Sneed and Courtney Sneed, those moments at the ramp this week, they were predestined by God. God knew that you would be there. 
Just this past week in community kids, uh, we had a kid down on the, on the bottom floor level that heard them praying on the top level with the fuse class and said to the teacher, I want to go be prayed for. <laughs> I want to go up there. Why am I stuck down here? I want to go up there and pray. So the teacher took him up the stairs. Got him up the stairs and she said, who in the world am I going to let this guy pray for? Because we need to make sure he connects. And she said, when she said that, all she saw was Jody Cook standing right there. And Jody's standing there. Jody, that was a predestined moment by God. God saw when you were born, you would stand right there in that worship center in the fuse class and you would lay hands on that little boy. God saw that was a predestined moment, a predestined moment, a predestined assignment. Man, I'm telling you, God, I don't, man, Lord, I don't know what happens to me when I get up here. I got the prettiest outline you've ever seen. Mm. Praise God. Everybody say, praise God. Come on, say it again. Praise God. And so what happens to us is God has an assignment. God told me the other day, I was driving by the building, scared me half to death. I was driving by the building. I said, that's a big old building there to God. And you know what God said to me? He said, it's not big enough. I said, dear God, please don't tell me that. He said, it's not big enough. He said, no, 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 I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, neither has it entered the hearts of man, the things that God has prepared for those that love him. I'm telling you, this building is not big enough. I, I'm telling you, I stopped my truck, put my head down and said, God, what are you trying to say? God said, you remember the other day y'all sent a bus out of here? I said, yeah. He said, what are you going to do when I start sending them to you? <laughs> I said, really, Lord? He said, really? He said, what are you going to do when your church brings in more revenue than the Murphy Art District? To the city of El Dorado. I felt a cold wave there, and I'm not real sure why. He said, what are you going to do when you pack out more hotel rooms than Murphy Art District? What are you going to do? Jason, when buses are lining up, not to see queen wannabes, but to see the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Come on. Come on. What are you going to do? He said, it's going to happen. I'm just telling you what he said. Scared me half to death. What are we going to do? I need faith to rise in this room. Come on, I, I, need, I don't need religion. I need faith to rise in this room. I need people to get a hold of what God is saying right now. Come on, lift your hands up. God said there's predestined moments for you. There's predestined moments for you. God says I have an assignment on your life. The enemy's trying to stop it. God says it won't prevail in Jesus' name. Now put your hands down and look at me for a minute. If we're going to pull off this assignment... It's going to take every one of us. I cannot do this by myself. I should never hear one of my staff members say, we don't have enough people. I rebuke that in the name of Jesus. We got more people than anybody really in this town. Come on, we got folks. We just got to get to work. We got to start serving. My, my children's pastor should never come to me and say, we don't have enough people. That should not be a problem. No, 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 no. No, there is enough people in this room alone that we could say, this is my assignment, this is what I'm called to do, and this is what I'm going to do. You know, when God called me to be a pastor, I was pastoring a little church, 25, 30 people on the side of the road. And God told me one year, he said, do a VBS, do a vacation Bible school. I said, God, we don't have enough people. He said, I didn't ask you that. He said, I told you to do a vacation Bible school. And so then he, then he told me, he said, and you know what? I want you to be the mascot. I said, I am a senior pastor. Yeah, don't tell God that. Next thing I knew, I was dressed up in a cowboy hat and boots and spurs, and I was wagging wheel willy. 
And I'm going to tell you, you're laughing. But you know what I said? I said, God, if you want me to serve those kids, I'll serve those kids with everything I got. God, if you want me to do it. And I said, God, I'll double the size. God, if you'll help me, I'll double these kids. And you know what happened? Listen, we're a church right now of hundreds. Back then, I was a church of 20, and in vacation Bible school, I was running 100 kids. And if that's what it takes is dressing up in a cowboy hat and looking stupid with shorts on and boots and spurs, I'll do it. Amen? And God says, if you're faithful a little, I'll make you ruler over much. Oh, I'm a prophet. I waved the BS flag on that one. You're not a prophet if you can't serve kids. Amen? You're not a prophet. You're you're not anybody until you can get in God's house and start serving. And get off your high horse. Amen? Man, y'all don't like this preaching, do you? I said God predestined moments for our life. Hmm, An assignment on our life. Thank you, Jesus. I said, thank you, Jesus. Mm. Lord, you're calling them from the north, east, south, and west. The spirit of I can't is leaving this church in the name of Jesus. The spirit of lack is leaving this church in the name of Jesus. The spirit of I'm not equipped is leaving this church in the name of Jesus. Listen to me. God has predestined moments in our life. See, when we're born and the doctor slaps us on the behind, we have no idea when we take our first breath the struggle sometimes or the battle that we're born into. And I want to tell somebody here today, this is not a dress rehearsal. This is the real deal. There is no do-overs. This is it right here. This is it right here. There are no do-overs. This is not a dress rehearsal. This is the time to rise up as the church of Jesus Christ. This is the time to serve. This is the time to give. This is the time to, to be what God has predestined our assignment to be. Praise God. Mm. Praise God. Praise God. So Jesus took this guy named Judas, his talents and his abilities, which I, 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 yeah, and no. He was smart with numbers and accounting, but Jesus put him over the treasury or the checkbook of the ministry. It was like putting a fox in the hen house. So number one, if you're taking notes, we see false impersonation. False impersonation. How many of you know Satan uh, disguises himself and he masquerades himself as an angel of light? Number two, Judas showed false concern. Remember when Mary broke the alabaster box and Judas said, why are you letting her waste this expensive perfume? Jesus, you know I keep the budget and we're not running with a lot of margin. We could have used that money to feed the poor. (laughs) this was false concern and Jesus knew that because Judas was not concerned about the poor the Bible says he was a thief and he was stealing from the treasury box the whole time yet Jesus never exposed him until the end I look back over my life can I get real with you? I got one amen I look back over my life and I would not be where I'm at today if it hadn't been for the adversaries in my life. I need to buy their supper. I need to buy them lunch or something and thank them. Because it's the adversaries in my life who got me where I'm at today. We would never have a Moses had there not been a Pharaoh. We would never have a David if there hadn't been a Goliath and a Saul. We would never have a Daniel if there had never been a lion's den, and we would have never had Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego if there had never been a fiery furnace. Is that right? 
So I look back over my life, and I, I did some, I didn't know if I was going to share this with you. This was just in my journaling. That's how my messages are. They're actually journals I write. 22 years of pastoring, I've been strung along with manipulation. I've been taken advantage of. I've disclosed my personal pain with people I thought could be trusted and had my back only to stab me in the back and go out and share it publicly. I've had people try to get between me and my wife. I don't advise that. She will go psycho Billy Ninja on you. <laughs> Jason Aldean just came out with the song, Try This in a Small Town. I wrote a new song called Try This with a Small Woman. She carries a knife, too. <laughs> she knows how to use it. I've been falsely accused with people with hidden agendas. I've been misled. I've been cut to pieces by other people's words and have been left to pick up pieces when the people closest to me walked away. I've been devalued, I've been ignored, I've had people walk away and not even say goodbye. The Bible says, and we read it last week, about Satan, and if you study Satan, when Jesus called Peter Satan, it means the word take. Some people just want to take, 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 take. I want to tell you today that the Judas spirit is still alive. I said the Judas spirit is still alive, and be aware, it'll come to a church near you. I had a pastor one time tell me, right when we first merged the churches, and we were trying to purchase this building, the word started getting out. And a pastor called me one day, and he said, I want a pastor in our town in our town. He said, I, I want to meet with you, and we met. I didn't know the subject of the meeting, but I quickly learned the source or the subject of the meeting would be a better way to say that. But I also learned the source of the meeting, and it was the enemy. This pastor came up to me, and he said, Jason, what you're trying to do will never work. I hope he's listening. <laughs> he said, it'll never work. It'll never work. He said, it's been tried in El Dorado before, and it will not work. He went on to tell me, he said, I hear you're trying to buy that building. He said, you're a nice guy. I don't want to see that happen to you. He said, that building and that property is a dead end. He said, it is in a bad location. Why is it vacant? It's vacant for a reason. <laughs> he said, you don't want to be stuck with that. He said, it won't last. He said, I'll give it two years. Well, we're about a month shy, sir, of five years. <laughs> And the best part is, the fifth year, we've seen more people saved. We've seen more people baptized. We've seen more people get filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. We've seen more marriages healed. We've seen, in the summer, we've seen record attendance. We've seen record finances. So I, he says it, won't, it wouldn't work. Seems to be working to me. Come on, church. I said we're seeing record numbers in the summer, in the middle of July. We didn't just set a record last week in in-service giving. I think we set probably the most in-service giving we had ever seen. I 
I don't know. I'll, I thought somebody might get excited. I don't know. Come on, church. What are you quiet for? What are you quiet for? He was a thief. He was the treasure, but he was a thief. John 12 talks about this. Jesus, Jesus, too many J's. Jesus knew that, but he didn't say anything. Let Let me pose a probing question to you right now. What does Jesus know about your life right now that he's not exposing? What does Jesus know about your life that he's not exposing? No, he gives us a lot of grace. And Jesus treated Judas with equal respect so he would not be a suspect at the table. Mark chapter 14, if we could turn there. Mark chapter 14. Let's start in uh, verse 18. Now as they sat and ate, Jesus said, As surely as I say to you, one of you who eats with me will betray me. And began to be sor- or they began to be sorrowful and say to him one by one, Is it I? And another said, Is it I? And he answered and said to them, It is one of the twelve who dips with me in the dish, and the Son of Man indeed goes just as is written of him. But woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he would have never been born. And as they were eating, Jesus took bread and blessed it and broke it, and he gave it to them and said, Take and eat, this is my body. And then he took the cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, and they all drank from it. And he said to them, This is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Surely I say to you, I will no longer drink of the fruit of this vine until the day when I drink it anew in the kingdom. Jesus is still being gracious towards Judas. Jesus said it without exposing him, but letting him know that he knew. Giving Judas an opportunity all the way to the end to say and do something different, and he didn't. That's grace. Verse 19, they began to be sorrowful. Verse 20, he said, it's the one who dips with me in the dish. Verse 21, there's still the moment of grace, but grace is running out for Judas. Jesus took the bread like we're going to do in a moment, and he gave it to them. Think about this. If you were the guy and Jesus just said, one who dips with me will betray me, and I'm that guy, I'm not dipping at the same time he is. But you know what? I, I, I believe that you can reach a place where you're so calloused and justified in your actions and that you can lack so much self-awareness. See this. This happens a lot. People get hurt. People get offended. And here's the order. Discouragement, depression, and despair are steps only after disappointment. Disappointment is triggered by unmet expectations. Disappointment, discouragement, depression, and despair, it happens in that order and it ends with despair. I don't care anymore. Judas couldn't help himself, so he's so numb to reality. After the bread, Satan entered him and Jesus said, whatever you're going to do, do it quickly. He said, it's you. Can y'all imagine that moment? Mm. Judas had no idea when he partook of the Lord's Supper of that holiness of, or the holiness of that moment. And he broke covenant because that bread's a symbol of the broken body of Jesus. This guy is so oblivious, he rudely interrupts. Notice this. This didn't happen earlier. The devil didn't take him when he was, when he was uh, stealing from the treasury. Now, Jesus was still working on him, but when he messed with that holy communion in a wrong way, in an unholy way, he pulled his hand back, and the Bible says Satan entered him. Now it's serious. So the holiness of communion, if you're not all in, I want to tell you something, leave it alone. And I'm not trying to scare you, but you need to know what the Bible says. I didn't say be all perfect. I said you need to be all in. The Apostle Paul said, don't partake of this cup unworthily. What does that mean? That means don't play games with God. We need some holy fear back in God's house. We need some holy fear 
in God's house. I'm saying to you today, don't play games with God. Why? Because there's a huge upside to taking communion. There can't be dangerous side to this if there's not a huge upside to communion. Every suffering stripe became your healing. Every painful thing he endured became your deliverance. The upside of this is so great, there has to be a downside. You can't get all the good and none of the bad. I'm not going to play games. Well, let me play games with God. Let me act like I'm doing all the right things. I want to tell you, God's house is not a place for cynicism or carnality. We don't play games in here. This is called holy communion for a reason. Matthew 26, I was going to read it, but I'm going to save it. The night Jesus, they would arrest Jesus, of course, the same night. They would, Judas would go and betray him, and then he comes back. And he comes back with a bunch of thugs with swords and clubs in their hands. You can almost see Jesus and the shock on his face. You've been with me three years. What do you think I'm going to do, get violent? Judas said, whomever I kiss. So we see False impersonation, we see false concern, and now we see false intimacy. Let me play like I'm such a close friend of Jesus. Hug your neck and stab you in the back all at the same time. Jesus said, you've been with me all these years. Did you think I was going to threaten violence? Judas, you become a part of a demonic plot to take me out. You could have been a part of the Big 12 to advance the kingdom, but you'll be replaced And it's the choices that you've made that has gotten you in this position. Unbelievable grace that was shown to Judas over and over and over again. And he never made it right. Don't mistake God's grace for blindness. And I say that again. Do not mistake God's grace for blindness. He sees. He sees what's going on. So there was regret, remorse, return, and reward. And then we see in Matthew 27, verses 3 through 5. I was going to read it, but I'm going to save time. This is a family service, and I'm going to try to leave it as G-rated as I can. But guys, what happened here is gory. What happened here is a tragedy beyond words. Because the Bible says in that passage that Judas went out and he committed suicide. His remorse and his shame was so great that he killed himself. The Bible says Judas bought a field with the money, either the money that he threw down in front of them. He took the 30 pieces of silver and he threw it down. And either they bought the field or he bought the field, but either way, he bought a field. And this field became a cemetery for losers and outlaws. That was his reward. I want to bring this down to one common denominator, and I'll close. 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. Let's throw this up here. How did we get here, Pastor? How did this man get here? I think here's the answer. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of this world. Let's keep reading. Do we have any more of that? Okay, but let's go back. Let's, I was going to finish with another verse, but let's do here. Let's just stay here. For all of that in this world, or all of this in the world, is the lust of the flesh. Everybody say, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Come on, say it again. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Lust of the flesh, I want power. I want power. I want to be somebody. Lust of the eyes. I want what my eye gate sees. I want it. And number three, the pride of life. We see this everywhere in our culture right now. It's all about my rights, what I have the rights for. And what I hear a lot is not rights at all. When you understand what Jesus did and what it cost him to save us, it is not right for me to spit out my rights Because the only rights I had and the only rights you had was to be in hell. Amen? 
the pride of life. I want recognition of what I have and what I deserve. The lust of the flesh. Everybody say lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. And the pride of life. This is how we got here. This is how Judas betrayed Jesus. I want you to take a guess here, and I'm going to close and we're going to take communion, but take a guess here with me. It's a great exercise. Let's just all listen and then you guess which one at the end, okay? NBA or NFL? Y'all ready? NBA, National Basketball Association, or the National Football League, professional sports. This last year, 36 arrests for spousal abuse, seven arrests for fraud. 19 accused of writing bad checks, 117 with at least two bankruptcies, three have done time for assault, 71 can't get approved for credit card or a loan. Pray for him. Bless his heart. By the way, my dad one time stopped a sermon and spanked me. There was a little door. We went outside and boom, boom, sat back down and never missed a lick. He kept on preaching. <clears throat> 14 arrests for drugs. Eight arrested for shoplifting. 21 are defendants in criminal lawsuits. 34 were arrested for DUI in the last year alone. NBA or NFL, y'all guess. What I just read to you is the current 435 members of the United States Congress. How, pastor? Lust of the flesh. Lust of the eyes. The pride of life. That's how we get here. Satan has a flashy boat, but it's a sinking boat. It's a sinking boat. Promises you all kinds of things, delivers nothing. It's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. What is the path to Judas? I just told you. This is how Judas became Judas the betrayer. I want to say to, the, to you as Pastor D, would you come? And I, Actually, I want the whole worship team to come, but I want you to come too. And Miss Marianne, you as well. But I want all the worship team to come up here and get ready. We're fixing to worship and take communion. I guess what I'm saying, Pastor D, is I know you didn't practice with them, but you're going to wing it. <clears throat> He's good at that. There are some mistakes that we can make that are not so terrible, but there are other choices that we make that have big consequences. Amen? Let me give you an example. Where you're going to eat lunch today, not a big decision. Is that right? People act like it is. It's not that big a decision. But where you spend eternity is a big decision. Amen? That's a big decision. A big decision is who do you choose to be your Lord and Savior. That's a big decision. And when I say Lord and Savior, I'm not talking about just a one-time moment I come up here and pray to prayer. I'm talking about every moment of my life I got a decision. Am I going to make Him Lord or not Lord of my life? Is he Lord of all or Lord not at all? He's one of the two. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, the pride of life is how we got to Judas. It's how we betray Jesus. The tragedy is, is we think we're getting by with stuff. We have no idea how exposed we are. I'm so glad this is a church that is not flipping and that we're not playing games. Can I hear an amen? So I want you to stand to your feet and heads bowed, eyes closed. Hallelujah. Skip through that message because... I just feel like God wants to do something in this room today. We're fixing to do something that's super holy. We're going to 
to partake of communion. is that everything is here is everything is right between here and heaven and we're not playing games we don't play games with this so I want every head bowed every eye closed Lord we don't want to be a Judas say one thing with our mouth and do something else with our actions you're Lord of all or you're Lord not at all and we're not playing games not playing games with you. So Lord, we close out this awesome series. We've learned so much. I've learned so much. It's been so timely, Lord, this message series. God, you've done a lot. We're so thankful. God, as we get ready to partake of this communion, Lord, we're going to ask you to do this. We're going to ask you to forgive us. I say, forgive me, wash me, and cleanse me. Everybody say this, I'm not playing games with you. So if you take the cup, in the top part, there's two, two pieces of cellophane there. You take, undo the first one, and it's the bread. If we could grab the bread, can you get that for me? And then just hold the cup. If, you're having, if you have a child with you, would you please assist them? Make sure we don't get grape juice on the floor. That'd be awesome. As we get ready to take of the bread, this symbolizes his flesh. The flesh of Jesus was crucified. body of Jesus if you're here today and you need healing in your body this is the moment because everything that that body endured was for your healing Father I thank you for the broken body of Jesus and we bless the bread you may partake of it in Jesus name now as we get ready to take the cup we could grab that This represents and symbolizes the blood of Jesus. How many of you know life is in the blood? This is not gory, but it's beautiful. (laughs) The spotless lamb. The spotless lamb. In the Old Testament, on the night of Passover, first Passover, instructed to take a lamb a spotless lamb couldn't have a broken bone or a blemish and they were to sacrifice the lamb and then they would take the blood and they would take a hyssop branch and they would dip it in the blood this was their instructions and then they take the blood and they in the bush or the hyssop bush and they would put it on the doorpost of their home Bible says that night when the death angel came over 
that he passed over them because the blood was applied. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. Thank you, Jesus, for the blood applied. We used to sing a song when I was a kid in church. When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. When I see the blood, I will pass. I will pass over you. Lord, today we take this cup as a symbol of your blood. And a lot of churches stop right there and they just talk about how it blots out your sins, but they leave out the part that he shed his blood for your healing. See, that's the difference doctrine makes. That's why you need good doctrine. Because the Bible says that these stripes were for your healing. That the blood that was shed so you could be free. You don't have to live in bondage. You don't have to live in torment. You don't have to live in pain. You don't have to live with disease in your body. God says you can be healed. By His stripes, I am healed. By His stripes, I am healed. In the name of Jesus. So Lord, we take this cup as a symbol of Your blood. And Lord, as we digest it, I thank You that every drop of it was for my healing. Every drop of it was for my healing and for the forgiveness of my sins. So Lord, we bless the cup in the name of Jesus. You may partake of the cup. Thanks for joining us today. Be sure to join us next week for another encouraging message from Pastor Jason Yarbrough and One Community Church of El Dorado.